On this week's Behind the Idea, we look at a wounded dividend aristocrat, 3M Corporation. The industrial giant has sold off badly after a weak Q1 earnings report, and questions are being raised about its growth trajectory. Mike discusses what makes 3M worth looking at in the first place. That's why this company produces everything from auto parts and insulation to scotch tape and everywhere in between is because they are kind of a unique company in the sense of a spirit of experimentation and technical know-how. Then he looks into the dividend growth investor mindset in response to bad news. Bad news happens. Don't sell when bad news happens. The company will recover. Focus on the dividend yield. And over the long term, everything will be fine. On one hand, you kind of have to take issue with the anti-intellectualism of not even knowing what the management plan is and not caring about how management plans to conduct the company. On the other hand, 3M has been around since the turn of the 20th century and has been in many investors' portfolios for what seems like just as long. But the Q1 earnings sell-off sparked 3M's worst month in a long time. A Seeking Alpha author argues that the company is in a bad place. We break down his case on Behind the Idea. Welcome to Behind the Idea. I'm Daniel Schwartz. And I'm Mike Taylor. (laughs) Man, really excited today because we're talking about 3M Corporation, ticker symbol MMM. The industrial heavyweight and dividend aristocrat has had a tough go of it in 2019 especially. After a weak Q1 report, it saw sales decline and adjusted earnings decline on a year-over-year basis, the stock has dropped off meaningfully, falling from 220 to 170 in just the past month. It's an unusual moment for a dividend growth favorite and industrial bellwether, but does it portend trouble ahead? Michael Boyd, Seeking Alpha author, thinks so or thought so at least when he posted an article shortly after the earnings report. Among his concerns, the company has lowered guidance five times in the last year, and for the first time, he thinks execution may be a problem for the legendary company. The question here, is growth above GDP sustainable? And if not, what do you pay for a company that isn't growing very much, has cyclical exposure, and seems to be falling apart a little bit? We'll break it down on Behind the Idea. Behind the Idea is the podcast that looks at what makes great investment analysis work based on ideas from the Seeking Alpha ecosystem. Neither Mike nor I have any positions in any stocks we plan to discuss. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice of any sort. So Mike, we wanted to start with just the growth story. It seems to be sort of unwinding a little bit. 3M just isn't isn't growing as fast as they used to be, and that really came out in this report where there was year-over-year declines. What's your take or what what do you think as far as the significance of the company, the two investors? Well, Michael Boyd sort of makes this point and he does so in a pretty straightforward way. The article is not very long and I think that's consistent with the just general thesis. So a couple of things. First, a lot of investors consider a stock's price as a function of its earnings and some multiple of that earnings. So if a stock earns, you know, some amount per share, then the share price is generally a multiple 
of that earnings per share. That multiple is usually a function of investors' expectations. Either the earnings are very safe and likely to be consistent, or the earnings are likely to grow from where they are today. Both of those things justify an increase in the multiple. In the case of 3M, the multiple had been pretty high, I think higher than 20 for a while. And that was based on this kind of Michael Boyd argues investor expectation that earnings would continue to grow. And what you'll read in sort of security analysis books, value investing, propaganda, materials, whatever you want to call it. This is the classic reason why value investors don't buy high multiple stocks. When the growth slows down or stops or reverses, then the two things happen. One is the earnings per share, the earnings slow in their growth or decline. And two, the multiple tends to compress as a result of that. And so you have this two forces pulling together at the stock's price downward. And you can get a very rapid share price decline as a result of disappointment and investor expectations. So much so that there's a documented investment anomaly related to earnings estimate revisions when Wall Street analysts who project earnings start to downgrade their earnings forecasts for a company those stocks tend to perform worse than stocks that don't experience that downward revision. And actually, Seeking Alpha just added some quant ratings to our dashboard that includes this earnings estimates anomaly in the quant rating. So in a lot of ways, this is kind of just a very classic situation. I don't think we've seen a lot of it lately just because the stock market has been so friendly. But when a growth story starts to slow down or stop, then multiples compress and you get what you got in 3M. So I think that this is a solid observation backed by a lot of theory and a lot of evidence, and it makes sense. I think the question is whether the dynamics continue to play out from here. Boyd continues to be bearish, but I think that's something that we'll have to talk through. Well, and it's just interesting to think about I think that's well explained what the significance is of the growth slowdown in terms of what the impact is on the stock, the multiple, and everything else. But it's also just interesting, 3M has been around for over 100 years. They have $32 billion in sales in 2018. They have over $5 billion in net income. Net income grew last year, but I think that was tax cut fueled. But when you get to that size, when you're one of these sorts of huge industrial companies, the question becomes, where does your growth come from? What, what, this was sort of what Professor DeModeran talked about with Amazon, for example, right? At some point, Amazon just gets so big that they are, in theory, their upside is that they are the economy and they're not quite there, but their growth also is kind of slowing from a much higher level. And it's a similar you want to just figure out how how long will that grow slow and then what margins look like. And so 3M looks like they're at that slowing stage. And they've talked about, they have something that I think Boyd refers to in this article, their 
2019 to 2023 framework where they're trying to get margin improvement. They're trying to buy back shares to boost net income as well. And they're expecting, I think, long-term financial objectives of 8 to 11% earnings per share growth. It's probably adjusted earnings, but and so they're they're really trying to get some leverage. They're only looking for three to five percent organic local currency growth, which I take to be their sales growth estimate. And I don't know. At some point, we'll get into the management in a second, into the guidance stuff, which is related to the EPS revisions. But at some point, like I wonder what you can really do if you're 3M to grow more than GDP. It's not one thing I was thinking about today was we've adopted the understanding that in the tech in the high tech world 3m calls themselves a tech company in their 10k but in the high tech world software world there is a clear moat if you're facebook or if you are google or whomever you have economies of scale and you have network effects and everything else and obviously there's economies of scale for an industrial like 3m and obviously they have a great track record so i'm not trying to put that totally aside, but it's still a fairly intensive business. And I don't know, is there, is it surprising that they would grind towards GDP growth? And is there anything you think they can do to sort of work around that or beat GDP growth? Yeah, I think that I'd challenge a couple of your points there. First of all, if you've been around for a hundred years and you're still clocking in 7% earnings growth in your you know, 110th, 120th year, then I'm not sure that we can forecast anytime soon that 3M would revert. I'm just not, it's not clear to me that under a given time frame, that particular observation has borne out for 3M. I don't know if we're at a point with a, what is it, 100 billion market cap somewhere around then of inevitable slowdown in growth. So I'm not sure that I buy that. Okay. So just quickly, yeah, they're right under a hundred million or billion rather in market cap. And they are, when I look at their, their local currency growth slide on their investor day from November, I think was November, healthcare and safety and graphics are the industries that they're, or the segments that they're looking for more growth, four to six and three to 6% respectively industrial is more three to five and then electronics and energy wider range two to six and consumer which is what most people are familiar with with 3m as an actual consumer whether it's scotch tape or sponges or whatever so that's two to four percent so yeah you, you healthcare for example obviously lots of questions over what's going on there but it seems like an industry where you can expect there's still things to be solved there's still up competitive advantages to be gained. And that's where I want to go next. So the next thing I think is that there is a, there is something of a moat around 3M or at least like a lot of this is just drawing from an old Harvard business case that I read in business school, which which was now many years ago, but um, 3M has some unique features for an industrial company And so one of them, first of all, is intellectual property and know-how. So this is a science-driven company and its organizational model, at least according to this old Harvard business case, is basically that 
scientific exploration is the centerpiece of 3M's approach to markets. Basically, the vision for 3M is something along the lines of, we're going to hire a lot of really great, smart engineers, scientists, industrial chemists, and they're going to tinker around in a lab, and they're going to come up with a bunch of novel chemicals and a bunch of novel applications of chemicals. We're going to know how they did that. No one else is going to know that. And we're going to run the like full gamut of different industrial and consumer applications for all these things. So, you know, everything, that's why this company produces everything from auto parts and insulation to scotch tape and everywhere in between is because they are kind of a unique company in the sense of a spirit of experimentation and technical know-how. There aren't really that many companies that are structured this way. And there aren't that many companies that have this portfolio of different products that are uniquely created by 3M. That's one argument, I think. So, and in a way, I think it's, it's kind of being a little bit Amazon-like. You mentioned Amazon. I think there's something to that, that to, to that analogy, but not in the sense of having grown to impossible scale. Instead, that there's a corporate culture and a corporate strategy revolved around specific approach to innovation. And I'm basing this on something that I read in school a long time ago, but I think that it is core. If you look at their website now and go to their careers page, for example, science is like right at the front of what they do. That's how they position themselves with respect to their employees. So I think it's tempting to consider 3M as kind of a more boring industrial along the lines of a company that just makes a lot of machine components or what have you. I think there's more to it and it's based on scientific know-how and intellectual property. So that's another counter to the idea that there's a terminal slowdown in growth. If, if what I'm saying is true, then the company has pricing power has ability to maneuver within its margins. And I think you see 50% gross margins. There is some evidence to my eyes at a glance of the financial statements of that kind of pricing power. So I, I wouldn't jump to the conclusion that this is like the start of the end for 3M. Okay, that's interesting. It's also interesting when you think about yeah, what what is the institutional knowledge or skill set of a company, an industrial I've owned in the past and don't currently own is Honeywell, and they seem to do a very good job. You can be cynical and say they do a good job managing expectations, but they do a good job beat raise. They seem to continue to upgrade their portfolio and do a good job, and and that's something I think that is a legacy of the last fifteen years or so of the previous CEO David Cody, rather than. Histor- I think historically they were an under underperformer, but so yeah, so yeah, it could be that 3M's institutional knowledge. So if that's the case, then what do you make of what's going on with the management story here? As far as again, as Michael Boyd put it in his article, there have now been five cuts to guidance over the past year. I challenge any investor to find a company that moves the goalposts as much as this which to me that's this is this doesn't seem like the sort of company that would 
be exposed to industries with big surprises in them. We can get into the macro in a second, but other than that, it seems like a more predictable sort of company. So what do you make of the what's going on with the guidance and the the need to keep dropping their forecast? I got the impression from Michael Boyd's article that there's a relatively new management team in place. And we've checked and confirmed that the CEO, Michael Roman, joined the company sometime in 2018. So that's that's one thing to kind of note. Some of this, you could argue it multiple ways. One way you could argue is that the slowdown in growth and reduction in expectations is a result of a new management team grappling with and getting a hold of and understanding the business. Another is that potentially the past management team had been an effective executor and the current management team is not and the current trends will continue. Or perhaps not to suggest any kind of misconduct, but perhaps the approach to managing expectations on Wall Street is different under new management. That last one is less credible, and I think Michael Boyd did a good job of pointing out that the continual downward guidance and the continual miss or near miss of that guidance is negative for the company in terms of management execution. So I buy this, but I think maybe there's some more to the story. And I think the transition to new management may be a sort of piece of that. We saw that with Starbucks. There was some impact on the company's performance that could partially just be attributable to the fact that management is turning over. But what do you think? So just to append the... He's the CEO is new to the CEO role, but has been in 3M for a long time. So just what I what I think about this is that the it's interesting. Starbucks is definitely in my mind as we do this. And in that case, the new growth, it's interesting how much these investor presentations matter, right? How much these sort of, here's our growth plan and here's what we're going to do over the next five years. And in Starbucks case, the market still is buying it essentially, and the stock is doing well. And then in 3M's case, the market is no longer buying it. And I think that's where it plays in. So, so it's not so much And this, you can argue that this is part of the what people complain about the short-term mentality of the stock market, that people are worrying about earnings in 2019. But I think Boyd has made a decent case of, look, five straight times they've set a number out and then try had to bring it down. Or not maybe not consecutive, but five times in the last year they've set a number and then had to bring it down. So something's going on. And yeah, you have a new CEO and you have a you have a big business and something's and they've they've sold the story and the stock was doing pretty well up until this last earnings report hanging in there anyways you know uh, they sold the story of this is how we're going to grow over the next 5 years and if you can't hit your near term guidance why should we believe that you're going to hit that 5 year guidance and grow this 8 to 11% earnings and i think boyd breaks it out in if not in this article then in the previous one he did, he breaks out that essentially they would have to double their growth. Yeah, he does right here. He says 3M 
if they get to the midpoint of their 2019 guidance, would now have to grow 13.5% a year from 2020 through 2023. They've only managed 7.5% average growth over the past five years, and they benefited from the Trump tax cut. So they're in a position now where real questions are being raised about it's not necessarily we sometimes it's just that the stock isn't likely to reach the company is not likely to reach its goals and if that's the case you have to change your expectations that you know there doesn't need to cast any aspersions but it's just as the stock multiple as you said at the beginning the multiple is a reflection of earnings and the earnings growth will often correlate with how high the multiple it is. And so I think there, I think this appears to be the earnings report where the market really has said, okay, there are serious concerns here. We have real questions about whether or not they can hit this number. And so we need to bring it up because this, this isn't, we, you know, people can't hold shares at such a high multiple if the growth isn't going to reward them. So I guess that's what I don't think it's a huge loss in credibility in and of the, itself, but for their growth plans, it does seem like, all right, I don't know if I can trust you. Got it. Okay. This called to mind something. They, right at the beginning of the annual report packet, they have a common size income statement with, <laughs> what, five items on it. So they have revenue and then they have the percentages of the key income statement items, cost of sales, SG&A, R&D, operating income, net income. I thought it was interesting that looking at the 2018 figures, they talk a little bit about global macro when they kind of try and explain to investors what's going on, tariffs and whatever else, or at least those are things that have come to mind when Michael Boyd mentioned Uh, macro issues as being one of the factors affecting 3M earnings, according to management. Cost of goods sales went up from 50.8% of revenue to 50.9% of revenue. That is higher than it's been in the past three years, 16 to uh, 15 to 17. SGNA has gone up. So that's potentially, you could tell a story in any number of ways, but to me that suggests that maybe there's some room for greater efficiencies. R&D expenditures are actually at a four-year low in 2018. Operating income on a percentage basis, percentage revenue basis, common size basis, operating income is at a four-year low. In the meantime, revenue has been growing over all of this. So I don't know. To me, just looking at those kind of general income statement ratios, you have a little bit of seeming bloat in SGNA expense, a little bit underinvested relative to revenue in terms of R&D, and that together creates a situation where you're slightly less profitable and you have slightly less growth projects going on a percentage of revenue basis. Again, just staying at a really high level, that to me indicates that there's potentially some room to turn this around. I don't know if we can hit Boyd's, Boyd's expectation is pretty damning, right? Like it's very hard to hit the kind of growth targets that management would need to hit to fulfill its 2019 to 23, 
2023 vision. But I do think that just there's room for further investigation and there's probably a way to construct a story that makes it seem more achievable potentially. Although if you stay on that high level with Michael Boyd, then it does look really intimidating. So I find that credible. Well, and Boyd also kind of tackles Q1 and he talks about the execution issues, which again, it sort of gets towards the core of 3M. And if you're expecting, and you can extrapolate this to the macro too, is the sort of thing where you can give a good growth multiple and you they're telling a story of where how they're going to grow, but then they keep missing their story. And then on top of that, here's the, again, to just quote Boyd, gross margins were down, revenue trailed worldwide market growth, and there are lingering environmental concerns through PFAS. Sales in automotive and electronics were down mid-single digits, the only break spot being the consumer-facing business. So execution, the, the fact that they're they're exposed to various headwinds, that they're not able to work their way around it, that is, again, puts more baggage on them about hitting their targets. Now, the targets themselves are just numbers on the page. I think it's more the question of, this looks like a reset of expectations. That's And it was interesting because Boyd wrote this a couple of days after the earnings call, I think, and the stock kind of still went down quite a bit after he wrote. So it really, it really kind of tailed off. It's been steadily dropping throughout the past month after one big sell-off. And so expectations getting reset, probably a good thing for you if you're interested in the stock because – now it's not so much do you have to hit that former target of getting so to your point about Boyd's skepticism as being a little steep I think it's he's probably right to be skeptical of them hitting that prior guidance but if management can get on a growth track they made they're, they're working off a new base does that make sense yeah and yeah I think the market probably may already have thrown those expectations out the window uh, or is in the process of doing so. And I think that's an interesting dynamic that we're kind of looking at. You know, the market can be slow to respond to changes in expectations. I think that's partly why the earnings revision anomaly that we talked about earlier is something that's sort of academically validated. It's because not everybody responds immediately to the shifting management guidance or the shifting earnings expectations by taking action and selling the stock and bringing the price down. And that brings me into a comment that I saw on Michael Boyd's article. And just give me a second because it's worth quoting. This is the comment, quote, I had never heard of the 2019 to 2023 framework. Not sure anyone cares. The div yield is historically high and is well covered by earnings and free cash flow. The trend overall is still earnings growth and free cash flow growth over time, enough to sustain more dividend increases. So I read that comment and I went, this is great classic seeking alpha dividend growth investor perspective. It's kind of the crystallization of that approach, which says bad news happens. Don't sell when bad news happens. The company will recover. Focus on the dividend yield. 
And over the long term, everything will be fine. On one hand, you kind of have to take issue with the anti-intellectualism of not even knowing what the management plan is and not caring about how management plans to conduct the company. On the other hand, I think when you're trying to look forward here, it is there is really something to this idea. 3M's been around forever. I believe in the culture of innovation. I think that they have a lot of earnings safety and you know, it's kind of tempting to like the stock here. It's below a market multiple now at 17 versus like 22 for the S&P 500. This is a blue chip company and it does have this great culture of innovation, intellectual property, a lot of brand power. I think there's a lot uh, to like here. And so even though it's tempting to make fun of or be skeptical of the dividend growth perspective in terms of not really doing a ton of security analysis. I think that the kind of cold, sober look at this might bring you to a similar conclusion in the end. It's yeah, I I think it's an interesting, I think there's something to be said for finding what works for you and following it and zoning out on anything that distracts you from that. I do think it's probably a little extreme to not know the company's key plans. I think we all do it sometimes when we're dealing with large caps, for example, that seem a company like 3M is a perfect candidate to just say, oh yeah, put that in a bucket. They're fine. Oh, bad news. Okay, fine. Dividend seems okay, et cetera. And so I get the, I get where it's coming from. And yeah, I don't, I don't know that. I think we have enough examples of companies like this not playing out well over time to be cautious. I think just because, and again, I know you kind of called me out rightly for being a little over skeptical of a company that's been around for a very long time, but that doesn't necessarily, that's a good sign, a good pedigree, but not doesn't necessarily mean they'll drive through. And that, that I guess gets to the question then too, of for a new investor, for an older, for somebody who's holding the stock, you have considerations like, do you want to take the tax hit? If you're sell, if you're selling a capital gain, do you want to, do you have a better alternative? It's now, like you said, trading under a market multiple. And again, Boyd's article was written with the stock around 190. So it's dropped another $20 a share since the article. So it's a little different, but I think for somebody coming new to the stock, you, you the mindset i know people say that if you don't think you're going to buy a stock right now you should sell it if you're holding it like there is no in between i think we've talked about it before but i don't really for most investors i don't think that's how we work and i there don't there is the in between it's it's holding right I, I just don't think that's a totally i think people are trying to big boy pants a little bit by throwing that. That's yeah. what that feels to me. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do, don't big boy pants. <laughs> not big boy pants. Here's, here's where I think the next step comes in. And I think this is maybe where Boyd's article on its own terms, I think is really well executed. I think to go forward from here though, you need to 
understand the drivers of the underperformance, which we don't get a lot of that here. Boyd is critical of management in reducing guidance going forward, but we don't really know mechanically what's going on with 3M that's driving these things. And then from there, we're therefore unable really to assess whether these are our classic cyclical or uh, secular trends. Uh, One thought that came to mind is if management is accurate and this is, there are macro related issues, then potentially those issues are going to affect a lot of different companies and the U.S. economy in general. That may actually be an argument in favor of owning a company like 3M that does have a little bit of a history and does have a little bit of a moat in my opinion, at least. But I think whatever, whatever you, you eventually come to, the next step is like, is that SGNA bloat a part of the story? Is revenue growth insufficient? Uh, what's, what factors are affecting sales growth? Is it that they're losing customers? Are they unable, are they cutting their prices? What's going on? I think that's kind of where you would come to the real answer is by doing a little bit more of the nitty gritty security analysis. Well, I'm reminded of something and this is sort of where I land is something you often say is, is there a reason to take on company specific risk here as compared to the index? And Boyd was short when he wrote this article. And again, it's playing out, but the, from a long perspective, yeah, I think you would have to get, I don't, I, I would be cautious, even if that's your style, the dividend growth style, I would be cautious about jumping in unless you have good answers to the questions that you raise and you feel comfortable saying that, yeah, this is, this is temporary, but this is a great company. It's going to get back on its feet soon enough. And so that's, yeah, that would be what I would watch out for is just what makes this, if it's going to be exposed to macro headwinds that every other company is exposed to, and there's no real reason to think the macro headwinds are going to get better over coming months. I mean, we're recording this on Thursday, big sell-off related to trade. We're towards the end of the cycle, it seems. Like, there's a lot of reasons to be skeptical about... We can, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, there's reasons to be... like to do that, but I think we don't know, right? We don't know, but but... There's reasons to be skeptical. The, the and the company, for what it's worth, is printing a new 52-week low as I speak. But the the question is just what I'm trying to get at is I I hear what you're saying. I think there's quality in the company's genes, as it were, and so it's definitely worth considering. And whenever a company like this does sell off, it's always worth an eyebrow raise, right? It's worth looking into what's going on, and I think the commentary we've had the articles we've posted has been fairly measured so far but i think you do want to have an affirmative reason and if it is if 3.4 percent yield is enough for you that's fine but know like know why you're buying it know what what would be the reason that you would consider it and so that's that's just all i'm saying it's i I think it's um i think you do at coming to it new i think puts a little bit more onus to answer the questions that you raised. I think I like it. I'm going to look at it a little bit more. 
Okay. Okay. Mike is bullish. Maybe. I don't want to speak for you. I'm bullish. Come get me. <laughs> okay. Shout out to Mike Boyd. I hope I hope we can get him on the podcast. I hope we can find a bull too. I love that. I just love this company. It's up there for me. And it's probably just because I read this business case in business school. And so it's tied in with a lot of warm fuzzies around my learning. But yeah, interesting to see how it goes from here. I had no idea, Mike. I didn't realize we were playing so close to your heart on this one. It's a Minneapolis company, Minnesota. Twin Cities. Twin Cities! <laughs> okay, we should probably end before we devolve into a lot of Minneapolis quotes. Thanks for listening to Behind the Idea. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Have any feedback? Email us at etipod at seekingalpha.com or tweet us at at DanielCKA or at mbrooksdale. And if you have time to review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, it would be most appreciated. This has been a Seeking Alpha production. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. I'm the idea.